Welcome to the Asians Redefining Their Success podcast, where Asian professionals share their stories of breaking boundaries and switching into more creative and unconventional careers. I am your host, Yangshi Zhou. Welcome, and guess what? We are now on episode 10. Woot woot! This is a big deal because most podcasts don't make it to episode 10. So we are in it for the long term, fam. And another exciting update is that I discovered dual audio tracks, which is a total game changer because now audio quality will be much better. So that's something you can definitely look for in the next episodes. And it does feel like we're celebrating every week, right? Which is also exciting because this podcast very much feels like a baby. And so every step, every time you eat food and walk um, feels really, really precious. And I'm really thankful that you are here to be part of this journey. I'm also learning to be a better interviewer as I do these interviews and edit my own podcast. And this week is a very special episode. A lot of our conversation is around mental health. And as I was re-listening to this episode, I realized how I was rushing a bit through topics in the beginning. And so just so you know, in the beginning, we briefly talk about mental health and we really dive deep into it in the middle of the episode. And something that I'm also working on is being more vulnerable and being more present and going off script more. So that's something that you can also expect as time goes on and we spend more time together. So Islan spent years working for a BP as a patrolling engineer before the stress took a toll on her and she had to leave to take care of mental health in 2017. Currently, she's still on disability and she co-founded a company with her husband so that it will allow her the time to see doctors and get better, as well as provide value to clients. So not only has Islan completely changed careers from engineering to marketing, but also she's in a much better place mentally and emotionally. And to give you a snippet on this episode, we'll talk about how Working for a big company can actually be more taxing on your health than working for yourself. The grieving process of leaving your old identity behind when you switch careers and the importance of getting outside help, especially a therapist or a coach who's culturally sensitive. We also talk about the idea of a noble career and what that really matters, how to build a better relationship with your parents and heal intergenerational trauma, as well as the beauty of trusting yourself and the universe. So it's a super empowering episode for anyone who's currently disabled or going through a lot of mental health-wise, and I hope this episode inspires you, acknowledges you, and empowers you. Hey, Islan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Lanji, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and yeah, really, thank you for coming on and excited for you to share your unique story with our listeners. So can you first give us a quick background on yourself, what career you were in, and what you're up to now? Sure. Uh, so I started out working in corporate America, working for BP as a petroleum reservoir engineer. 
I did that for about six years. And then I, I went up to Alaska to work for the state of Alaska for about two free years. Did a lot of cool work. I worked on a lot of like major projects for BP, like Mad Dog Phase 2 and Thunder Horse and a lot of their big Gulf of Mexico mm. assets. And it was it was really a lot of fun looking back on it. And then in 2017, I had a, a major nervous breakdown with my mental health and I wasn't able to go back to work. Um, and we moved down to Colorado where our family is from Alaska. And we we basically live or we, we still live right now in his, uh, in my husband's mom's, so my mother-in-law's basement. Mm. I mean, and I'm not, and this is not a bad basement. It's like completely remodeled and everything. So it's a, it's a nice situation mm-hmm. to be in. Uh, and I, uh, and that's where we're at now. We're starting a marketing company. We've been in business for about two years now. And what I do for the marketing company is doing the really hard things, which in engineering, you're kind of, how much you make is kind of divorced with how much the company brings in for money. But then working in in sales and marketing for my marketing company, like I've, I've discovered that sales is really the lifeline of a business. So I'm learning sales right now, even finding what works and what doesn't work and learning how to connect with people. And that's, that's where I'm, that's where I'm at. Amazing. And I really love that you are really the epitome of a lifelong learner. It's a continuous process. And as a, you know, business owner, I totally understand what you mean about sales and marketing. And it's interesting that I've learned so much like on the job versus the, then when I was back in college and you and thank you for being like really authentic and sharing um, about your mental health and as well as living in a basement right now it's really transparent and honest of you to share these details which I'm excited to get into deeper later so I love to for now to kind of go back into when you were in engineering and I actually read that you were actually a chemistry major before you switched into into engineering and I read that you did this experiment to see if the lifestyle of a graduate student was a good fit for you which I think the story will be really helpful for listeners to know because something that I really advocate for is like testing before you commit so could you quickly share the story of how you experimented with your interests and how you tested out different interests before going into engineering sure so I was a chemistry major in my freshman year. I had passed out of general chemistry because of advanced placement. So I was taking organic chemistry during my freshman year. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah. Never doing that again. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, was, I decided to work in a chemical engineering lab. So I, I worked in a lab for a year doing experiments in bioengineered plastics, and I just really hated doing experiments. Oh my God, it was repetitive work. And I know that making cold calls and doing and enrolling people in email sequences and trying to do Facebook groups is kind of repetitive work in sales, 
but really doing those experiments under the film hood and everything, I just remember, I was just like, oh my God, I can't, I can't work as a chemist. Mm. I, I can't do these experiments. So it was a good learning experience for me that I, I'm more of a, an office girl, not a laboratory girl. <laughs> uh, and I, I realized I really did not enjoy working in the lab. And I looked around the different majors on campus. Do I have regrets about choosing petroleum engineering now? Not really, mm-hmm. because that's where I, I met my husband. Mm-hmm. We have two wonderful kids. And I really enjoyed petroleum engineering because you got to work on some really big projects, billion dollar projects, and have fun along the way. So, yeah. And how did you know that engineering wasn't a good fit for you? And how did you discover or experiment into marketing? I guess I've, I've always been kind of doing marketing off and on as an extracurricular activity. So like I, I, I was director of public relations with the Journal of Young Investigators when I was an undergrad in school. And I liked doing the marketing PR work. And then like even in my working life, I had extracurrics going on. I, I was secretary, then president of the Houston area, Society of Women Engineers. So there's a lot of marketing that kind of goes into the presidential role of like meeting different people, speaking on panels. Stuff that I'm not really scared of doing. I've just been uh, dabbling in marketing, even though I was an engineer this ad- entire time. So we kind of, so then like my husband, I decided to start a marketing company because my husband actually started an engineering company the first year we were in Colorado while he was looking for jobs too. And like we, f- we, we got zero engineering clients. Mm. So after a year of that, he shut that down and we we're able to get marketing clients easier than engineering clients. So that's, that's why we decided to, to start doing a marketing company. Gotcha. And that learning really comes from going for it, testing out, see what works, what didn't. What would you say would be your main inspiration from switching into engineering to marketing? Because as you mentioned engineering, petroleum engineering was a lot of fun and you got to work on projects. So how did you know that it was time to move on? Well, a lot of my mental health issues were, were coming to a head. I was in a very stressful job in state, working for state of Alaska, very stressful. And I, and then coming to Colorado, I, I realized I couldn't, at, at least at this point in my healing journey, I couldn't handle that level of stress. I mean, I, I know at some point, in my future, if I wanted to go back and if they would have me, I could go back and handle that same level of stress again. But right now in my journey, I like marketing is a much lower stress job. There's a lot less risk in place. The worst thing you can do is spend a little bit too much of your client's money trying to do a Facebook or Google ad and, and experimenting. You don't have like millions of dollars on the line, billions of dollars on the line. If you make the wrong reserve forecast, for example, gotcha. it doesn't justify the spend that you have to invest to put in. Um, and you're at the mercy of oil price. It was, it was a very st- stressful job. I'm really glad that you took time 
to care for your mental health and go into different career path. And what you brought up about the stress is really interesting because I think oftentimes we have this perspective that a stable job, you know, especially like engineering, a stable job at a company is much less stressful than say starting your own company that now it's actually lower stress for you. Yeah. I, I, there's times where I can't go to sleep because I, I didn't close on a client or something like that, but I try not to let that affect me too much. I don't know how to put it. Like working at marketing, you have your old clients. So if they start abusing you or, or like asking for too many services over what they paid, or it's simply a bad fit between you and the client, you can, you can call it quits. You don't have to force yourself to be in a situation where you're constantly being stressed out and you're not in a very supportive work environment or you're in a bad abusive work environment, which is the worst uh, because you, you bring that home to your kids, to your family, especially if you don't have good boundaries between work and home. And like I've been working on developing those boundaries so that my kids don't get me at my worst, mm. you know? Definitely. Um, yeah, it sounds like starting your own company allows you to have more ownership and control over your environment and definitely toxic work environments is a topic that I think a lot of listeners face and can resonate with. I'm curious for you, um, how long did you think about this career change? I know you were in you know, engineering for about nine years. Did you have fears like, it's too late, I'm not going to have to give all of this up? What was that process like? I think I'm still kind of going through the grieving process because there is a grieving process of leaving your old identity behind and going to a new identity. And you have to honor where you're at. Like I can, I can probably never go back to like, I can probably go back to like a government job or something like that, but I, I could, would I be able to go back to an industry job? I, I don't know. But like, you have to grieve that process. You have to had grieved that old identity because I, when I was working at generic, I was cycling between manic and depression and I was bipolar. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, I guess you could say I'm still bipolar now, but I've, I've definitely found the right meds and the right therapy support. So I'm a lot more stable and from there I can make much better decisions. But um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a grieving process that you go through in letting go of your old I- identity. I don't know if that's true for you too especially the longer you've been in a career, the, the bigger identity you have. Because mm-hmm. I won awards for engineering. I was like young engineer of the year. I was, I won some national awards. Like there was all, there was so much wrapped up in that identity. And then like I had to, to let it go so I could move forward. Um, yeah, definitely. I've heard um, there was, one of the guests made this really great analogy about how changing careers is almost like a breakup, right? Like you're letting go of your old identity and going into something new, creating this new thing for you. So there's definitely a grieving process. And I'm curious for you and, you know, for the listeners who have majored in whatever the career they are in now and feel really tied to that identity, what has helped you to let go of that old identity and step into one that's a better fit for you? I would say that for me, it kind of happened like over time, like I'm still kind of letting go of my old engineering identity. I'm still like bringing a lot of the problem solving mindset that you get in engineering into marketing. And we're basically solving problems for our clients in a different way. 
So that's that's kind of how I've I thought about it. Mm, like a slower transition. And I know you also mentioned that you know marketing allows you to be creative problem solving and which was the same reason that you got into engineering and you believe that marketing is a system similar to engineering so it's really cool to see that overlap even though you have changed into a completely different industry yeah yeah marketing is definitely a system if you do these certain activities in marketing then you'll see growth in your business and especially if you add the marketing and sales together piece of it then you'll definitely see your your company grow. Yeah. And I think that's such a great insight for our listeners who feel like, you know, they have to give up their education, what what they majored in, their past experiences to change into something new. Because oftentimes there is that overlap. Like I also used to be in marketing and now I'm a career coach, but marketing helps a lot with my business. Career that we're changing into feels is actually more similar than we think it is. And we're able to use our past experiences and skills and bring that in. Yeah, and like, I, I think for me, like, it's good to have support along the way. So I have, I definitely see my therapist two or three times a week. It'll probably taper down as I get more and more stable and a business coach to support you. It's important to have the support that you need, uh, whether it be friends and family or a licensed professional counselor or a business coach. Like, it's important to have like your kind of your board of advisors or your board of mentors helping you along as you as you make the transition because you know we we're humans we live in communities we don't function on our own very well mm-hmm. um, and uh, we we need the support of people and communities around us to make the necessary changes. Yeah, support so. systems often comes up in my conversations with guests as well and. the consensus has been that you know like it's really crucial to have like either a community group or even if it's just one person who supports you through this journey and I I 100% resonated with um, you know getting professional help as well like for me I have a business coach and I have also have another coach and it's just completely transformed like my mindset from I can do this alone and realizing that, wow, I don't have to do this alone. I don't have to suffer alone by myself that I can actually have someone who guides me and really helps make it easier for me because it doesn't have to be that hard. Like life can be easy. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, it can't, it's not always easy. Like, like transitioning from engineering to sales is really mind boggling for me. It's been really hard. Mm. Um, but it's, it's, I, I try to, Think of it as like it's a training. It's like Jedi training. You know, yeah. <laughs> in Star Wars, it's like you're, you're training for something else that, so that you can serve your community or your, we do marketing for technical services so I can serve my community better. And this is like part of the training process so I can serve my community better is learning sales and doing marketing, doing a blog post once a week. It's all in those little activities going uh, you know, one step at a time. Definitely. And I now I'd like to hear a little bit more about like your background as an Asian and how that has affected your career change and the way you thought about things. Well, it's interesting. Like my dad, he's more Americanized. He's also Chinese, first generation Chinese. 
but he's been more supportive of the business than my mom has. Mm. My mom keeps on sending my husband like job postings and all <laughs> sorts of things that she's and we're just like we're just focused on trying to make the business work because mm-hmm. that way my husband doesn't have to be out of the house for like 16, 14, 16 hours a day and never see the kids. I really want the business to work so that our, our children have a healthier childhood than like either my husband or, or me. I want them to be emotionally and spiritually healthy. Mm. Um, and my parents being Asian, like they, they worked all the time and it was a hard childhood. It's like I had to basically raise myself. Like my dad would tutor me in math after he came home from work and, and stuff. But like, I, I guess being an only child, it's kind of like a lonely childhood and it wasn't good for my mental health. It wasn't good at all. And I've, I've been trying to, if for therapy, like mend all of those root failures um, and just kind of get myself to a more emotionally healthy space for my kids. I mean, it's kind of a blessing in disguise that right now I'm on disability and I'm trying to work, but it's like, I can't work full time. I can't work part time. Mm. I'm just doing my best or working what I can when I can and being there for the kids. That's where I am. Yeah. And I read that, you know, one of the um, inspirations for you to start your own business was not only for your mental health, but to spend more time with the kids. And it sounds like your childhood growing up where your parents were working all the time, you've experienced how it's like to be your, by yourself all the time. And now you are kind of reversing that for your kids and making sure that you are there for them more. Yeah, there for them more. Mm-hmm. As much as I can be, at least. Yeah. And I know like mental health is something that's oftentimes not talked about in Asian communities. I think we often turn a blind eye or pretend that it doesn't exist. And I'm really glad that recently there's been more conversation about it. So I would love to hear your input or advice on for someone who is going through these mental health concerns who are also, you know, from an Asian background, what kind of advice would you have for them, especially as it relates to their work? I found that like my most recent therapist, she's worked with the Asian community a lot. Like she's like having a a therapist who is culturally sensitive, which I I didn't have before, was Mm. very helpful because she brings in different perspectives. Could you share one of them? Sure. Like in my conversation with her this morning, we were talking about nobility and how like for me, engineering was at the top of the nobility rankings, the most noble career, followed by mental health counseling, followed by teaching. And then we, we talked further and, you know, like these, you know, how therapy conversations kind of come and go and they go in around in a circle. And then we kind of came to this realization that like, Nobility is not what matters. Mm. It's like, would my kids care care more if I worked in an, like a super noble profession, like engineering versus not as noble profession, ah. like marketing, like or not as no like if I'm working as a doctor versus if I'm working as like a salesperson. It's like, no, that doesn't matter. All the kids want is love. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what really matters is integrity. Are are you true to your word? Are you honest? Mm. And I see integrity as like true to yourself too and your own desires and needs. Yeah. And I think that being Asian, you suppress a lot of 
of who you are to fulfill parental expectations. Like I most certainly, I wanted to be an English major at Smith for a long time. And uh, it's like, well, 10 years later, I'm no longer petroleum engineering. I, I'm doing marketing. So it kind of comes around, you know? Yeah. I'm curious for you, how are you able to break away from these parental expectations? And if there was like an instance or a turning point where, and I know oftentimes it's also gradual, but what was that process like to kind of break away and start trusting yourself and listening to yourself more? I think I'm still going through that process. It's like a process of very slow. Mm -hmm. This is not a fast process by any means because you're indoctrinated in this as you're growing up. So what takes like a few minutes indoctrinating in you as a child, as an adult, takes months for you to undo or even years. So for me, it's like this slow realization of like, I need to believe in myself. I need to believe in my own abilities. I need to believe in my own decision making. And I'm not forced to listen to my parents anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you, you should honor and respect your parents, but realize that you need to live your own life. You're not beholden to them for them raising you and sending you to college. Like at some point your parents will die, you know, and they'll no longer be here. And, you know, you just got to spend the, the best time you can with them now and kind of let go of and forgive them for any past misgivings or any time they didn't spend with you or because that's part of the healing process and, and getting a better relationship with your parents. Um, yeah, it sounds like you've really moved into the stage of acceptance and peace and forgiving, which is a stage I feel like we oftentimes forget. I think it's for most people and myself too, that oftentimes I have to remind myself that it's not binary, right? It's not just, okay, you are talking to them or like you're not talking to them. Like there's often a process, the forgiving process, like you mentioned. Yeah, and it, and it takes a long time because I remember with my initial therapist in Alaska, like I was blaming my parents for so much stuff. And then you, you kind of grow through that process, but then you can't grow into forgiving them. So first there's like blame and shame and all the negativity mm. of all the things they didn't provide for you. And they couldn't provide for you at that time, probably, because I'm sure they would have known to provide it for you. There's there's a good book I like to read. It's like called The Five Love Languages for Children. Oh, oh for children. Gotcha. I was going to say I read the one for adults. Yeah, but there's there's the five love languages for children. Mm. And in reading that book, I realized that my parents didn't speak my same love language, especially as I got older. Yeah. Um, and uh I realized that's why I had this gap with them and, and stuff. And that was a very mind-opening book for me. What language were they talking to you in? And what language were you speaking in? I like physical touch a lot. Mm. And as, a, as you grow older, you, know, you get less physical touch. And that's kind of how the gap grew between my parents and I. Yeah, I would have liked more physical touch when I was like, especially, you know, in my, my, in my teenager years. Like, I still want my mom to scratch my back. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, like the, you know, the, the minor little things that they stop doing for you really has a big impact. They think that you, they, that you don't need it anymore. They're, right. they're embarrassed by you or, you know. Mm-hmm. But my mom was big in, or my dad was big into acts of service, like helping me with my yes. homework. Yes. But, but that's not how I needed love to be shown to me. 
and there was that mismatch and, and it was just it was just interesting reading that book I, I highly recommend reading that book to like the five languages for children even if you don't have kids so that you can possibly heal the relationship you have with your parents yeah that sounds like a really really powerful book and the awareness to understand that like love comes in different forms and re- recognizing it's not that they didn't love you, but they're expressing their love in a different way. And that you can also express your love for them and respect for them in a way that feels good to you, even as you're changing careers. Yeah. And I think it's, it's been hard for my parents to watch me go through like a complete breakdown and then like kind of reemerge from the ashes again. And it's, it's been hard. and. But it's something that you've got to work at. Because through healing the relationship with my parents, I have a better relationship with my kids. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's not just healing the relationship with my parents that I'm doing. It's like, I'm learning to parent my kids better. So it's, so the intergenerational trauma that gets passed from generation to generation doesn't get passed down again. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like there's multi-layer benefits of healing that relationship. Yep. And I love to just ask you one last question on this topic for people who are currently learning to trust themselves. And this is like a process that I'm going through right now as well. Just, just the other day, my career coach was like, I noticed that you're overthinking. How does it feel to trust yourself? Um, and so I'm curious for you, like, and for people who want to identify those feelings, like how does it feel? What are the feelings that come up for you as you trust yourself more versus the feelings that you have when you are doing things because of others' expectations of you? Hmm, that's a good question. I'm, I'm, I'm still going through that process of, tr- of learning to trust myself more and learning to trust. I think with, with like not, using other people's expectations and just having your own expectation, I think is really powerful because you, you know who you are Mm. and you can kind of ground in that fact. Like I found a lot of peace. I know it's a little off topic, but like during my process of healing and everything, it's not just a therapy. It's like finding my spiritual faith has been really helpful. And for me, it was like finding God was really helpful in, in healing. And I guess that's that's part of not only believing yourself, but believing in, in there's something bigger than you that's watching out for you, that's your protector, that's not that's not going to leave you when a rainy day comes. Yeah. There's there's a lot of comfort I, I feel. So for some people it's Buddha, for some people it's mm-hmm. a different religion. Yeah. And I think it also takes a lot of courage, right? To believe in yourself because we've built up so many walls and we've been conditioned to look outside for validation. And there's a lot of courage, I think, too, to like believing in the universe as well and something that believing in something that you can't see, but something that is, yeah, like, like you mentioned, bigger than all of us. And um, as you were talking to, I remember you, that sense of groundedness that also came up for me as I'm doing more and more of the things that I think that I want to do. So like taking action that are aligned to my desires and needs. It's that like internal deep confidence that I'm building up and I'm recognizing that 
more and more when I'm thinking about making decision, it's easier for me to decide because there is this gut feeling or just this internal sense of knowing myself that I know what's best for myself and and that I trust in myself to take action towards that. And it becomes easier to make decisions that way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that deep sense of confidence that comes where it it, it comes slowly, but, mm-hmm. but it does it's part of the the process of I think emotional maturation. Mm. And that's also the biggest transformation or difference that I see with people who come to me initially, they feel stuck and there's that lack of confidence about where to go. And after coaching, they have that deep confidence because they built it up in a similar way that you did. Testing the waters and seeing where you're interested in, doing these experiments, actually going after them, and then figuring out what they like and what they don't like. I think really confidence comes from taking action and taking action that are aligned with your interests. Yeah, I agree. And, and sometimes it doesn't even always have to even be aligned with your interests. Because for me, I, like, I have a mental block against doing cold calls, but it's something that you have to do if you <laughs> want to get business. And I think it's just like, yeah, you might not like it, but, you, but some, sometimes you just have to do it mm-hmm. too. And I think having a deeper why helps a lot, right? Because it, yes, it is a something that you don't want to do. And I definitely have moments where I don't want to do a particular thing, but because you believe in your business so much and you have like a bigger goal and a bigger vision of serving your community, that tactics like cold calling, it feeds into a bigger purpose. Yeah, definitely. But having the bigger why in the background definitely helps. Yeah. And I'm curious for you, as you're going from one industry to the other, and you mentioned that, you know, even though you've been interested in different aspects of marketing, that there was, there still has been a lot of new learnings to be done. Um, How are you going about gaining that experience in a totally different field? And how is that like? Well, it's, it's trying to have a set schedule each day so that I know what activities I have to do to move the business forward. My business coach and I kind of came up with a master schedule and I kind of am following it. What kind of resources have you found helpful in learning? Is it podcasts, blogs, books for, you know, anyone who's thinking about changing into a completely different field and don't know where to start? I would say what color is your parachute? Mm. If you want to go back, like go into like a a normal, what I would say a, a corporate America job setting. Sure. What colors your parachute is very helpful. If you want to go into entrepreneurship, I, I recommend having a lot of savings ready to go in the bank and because you're going to need that, those savings to help you learn what your, pro, you know, your, your product market fit is. And how are you learning? Where do you learn from? So we're HubSpot agency partners. And as part of that, we get weekly sales coaching. Awesome. We're also part of the, the the duct tape marketing network, which kind of gave us our primer into marketing. And I also have a business coach. So those are like my main sources of learning. Sounds like exactly. you got a pretty good foundation. Yeah. I mean, I, there's also books and stuff too, but I don't know. I, I feel like books can only take you so far. That's mm-hmm. why they're only like $20 a book because they're not going for like some sort of like life-changing transformation. For life-changing transformation, you need coaching and a therapist. 
Yeah, I think the transformation really comes when you get that personalized feedback and that personalized coaching. Books has definitely helped me in terms of acquiring knowledge, but in terms of applying it, I definitely think it's really, really helpful to have someone who's done it before to show you how to apply it because there's so many resources out there. I don't think we have a lack of knowledge. We can learn, 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 but it's more about like applying it to your unique situation. And I think that's where coaching really comes in. Having the right help at the point you need it at, at the right point in time, that, that really helps a lot. Mm, yeah, and for talking to you, it really um, reminds me of this book from Marie Forio. It's called Everything is Figureoutable. And it feels like that's really the journey that you are on in terms of, you know, there are so many resources out there and you're kind of piercing together what works the best for you and that it's completely doable. Yes, you're in the process of doing it, but things can be learned. And so going to a new career into a different field is also totally doable too. Yeah, I believe that everybody has unlimited potential. Mm. It's it's just the the beliefs that you put on yourself that limit your growth in in where you can go. Yeah. And at what point um for you did you feel confident that you made the right decision in terms of going from engineering to um marketing? I think there's no point where I've 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 said yes this is it I've mm. I've arrived in the marketing circle. It's still this kind of letting go process of engineering and moving into the marketing. Yeah. Was there any signals in terms of like this was the right move for you? Well, I I feel a lot more peace at home like you know working from home. Yeah. I feel a lot more like mental stability. And I don't know if that's like in finding God and having a good therapist and, and that type of thing, but I, I found more peace in in marketing than I've ever found in engineering. But it also comes with growing up and developing more emotional maturity and really gaining that emotional stability that you need to function. Mental state is really important to, you know, our own well-being, I think how we feel at different work environments says a lot about whether it's a good fit for us or not. And I definitely agree in the sense that how we feel and whether it's peace, um, less stress definitely is a good signal that we are on the path of a career that's a better fit for us. Yep. I I definitely agree. (laughs) And as we're um, going towards the end of this interview, I'm curious for you, what, what's the one thing that has helped you the most in navigating your career change? The thing that's helped me the most in navigating career change has been like the immaterial. That's been like the spiritual. I don't know, like knowing that God has my back and I'm not fighting this alone Mm. and God believes in me. It's like I I have a community, I have God behind me. So that, that helps a lot. It's not just, not just me. Mm, yeah the belief that you know I am not alone I think that in itself is really powerful and empowering too I actually just got into spirituality more earlier this year so um this this resonates a lot that's great yeah spirituality just I don't know it just there's just something about it that's like let me lended me this like amazing mental emotional stability that I haven't had before in my life yeah, there's something so powerful about 
trust. And lastly, what concrete advice, um, parting concrete advice, do you have for those who are listening right now and they're in a traditional career and they're contemplating whether or not to go for that less traditional career? Well, go for it. I mean, what's holding you back? That's something that you have to ask yourself. What is holding you back from that less traditional career? List it out on a piece of paper. When you look it up, there'll probably be pretty stupid reasons, like my mom said so. Or like, my dad was a doctor and his dad was a was a doctor too, so I have to keep on being a doctor to uphold the family tradition, you know? Yeah, um, that's a really good point. Like you just 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 actually become aware of all the mind chatter that you have around switching careers and become aware of it and, and work through it either by yourself or with a trusted advisor or a therapist or somebody. And, you know, and sometimes you have to jump before you're ready. How does jumping before you're ready look like? Well, I had to jump before I was ready to go like into marketing. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was thinking to myself, I was going to get better emotionally, you know, recover from bipolar, go get a job in the engineering field and continue down the traditional career path. And then I think about it. A little bit more and I'm like I'm gonna be made redundant when I'm in my 50s I'm going to use up all my retirement in my 50s to try and get to my 60s because you see all these like at least in the oil field a lot of unemployed older people gotcha um, and I was just like I like yeah so engineering may, may work for now but it's not a forever solution mm. whereas if I can make the marketing go now then we have a company that we can give to the kids if they want it yeah, and really, you know, I hear of this a lot that I'm not really ready, and really, it's like the readiness time is never going to come. If you are ready, you would already be doing it. So it's really about jumping before you're ready and recognizing that, you know, if your current career isn't where you want to end up doing, then it's not for you, and that it's time to um, experiment with something else because that will always be this path to a better, better career, better future. Yep, but there's. There's something in the Bible that says, like, God has a plan for you. He wants a good future for you. He doesn't want you to, like, be, be struggling forever. It's something you hate. It's something that you're not proud of. It, or it's something that, like, you're, that's a bad fit for who you are. He wants you to have a good future. Yeah. And something that I've been grappling with too is the you know mantra that the state the universe has your back, and I totally didn't understand it <laughs> in the beginning of this year, but I'm learning to trust it more and more. And where can we find you for your you know company services or for advice? You can find me on theamarketing.com, t-h-e-i-a, marketing.com, and you can also find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. But really, fiamarketing.com and, and LinkedIn is, are the primary places you can find me. Awesome. I'll definitely make sure to include those links in the show notes below. And again, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast and you know sharing your beliefs and experiences on mental health, changing careers, and spirituality. Thank you, Angie. It was great talking to you. If you can think of one person in particular who would find today's message really helpful on their career change journey, please, please share this episode with them. It can make a huge difference. And as a big thank you for being here, one of the most common questions that I get is, how do I get unstuck? 
And so I put together a free guide that you can use to help you break out of the rut and start taking steps towards a career you love through a Get Unstuck side project. You can get that guide for free over at onemonthprojects.com slash get unstuck. Enjoy and see you next week.